Nursing that hangover? Fighting with your Wi-Fi? Maybe there's something more terrifying looming than a conversation with your family. Just don't count on Unit for help. The Daleks are creeping back in. And this Dalek was properly creepy. On this New Year's Day edition of This Week in Time Travel. Man, it feels like it's been a whole year since I talked to you. You know, the year has turned over on the calendar. I'm sorry, I hope you weren't expecting a more clever response than that. I'm really, really tired. Oh, well, you know, when you record on New Year's Day, there are consequences. There are things that you have to process from the evening before, I'm sure. I am not hungover. I am just jet-lagged and tired as hell. You were the one who added the hangover line to the intro, so I was just, forgive me for assuming. Oh, so we have had our first ever, is it, New Year's Day special? I mean, there have been episodes on New Year's Day before, but this is our first New Year's Day special. Yes, I think so. And we are not going to get into a fight about your favorite New Year's Day episode, but this is the first one where I think they've made a proper big deal out of it. So it's a real thing that we're attempting. And uh, I actually kind of liked it. Christmas is always hard for me because I am really the only big Doctor Who fan regularly amongst my family. There are a few other stray family members, but even they don't usually like watching the Christmas special on Christmas Day. So New Year's is really just a time for myself And it's easy just to sit back and have a bottle of water and watch the episode all to myself. Mm. I'm not hungover. I spent Christmas with my family, as usual, and they were channel surfing and they tuned in to Last Christmas in the middle of things. They threw so much shade at that episode. It looks like aliens. Wait, they're Santa Claus. Chip, explain this to me. I'm so glad that I didn't have to try to watch this with them. There would have been so much explaining. Mm-hmm. It can be rough. And so much, wait, that's a Dalek, right? That looks stupid. Yeah, I think this episode tried it as best as it could to get all of the explanations necessary in a very short time and very rapid order. Because there's really not like too much that they have to explain. You know, they do explain unit. They do explain what Daleks are. They have to explain what Daleks are about three different times. They have to explain the TARDIS being bigger on the inside than it is on the outside at least two separate times. Explanations are hard enough for the show. It's, you know, doesn't need to be harder for those of us fans who are trying to explain to family members who are coming in halfway through an episode what the heck is going on. Yeah. I'm curious about, before we get into the episode proper, I kind I kind of wanted to put it into context, if you don't mind. You know, it's been about a month since Series 11 wrapped, although this feels pretty much like the last episode of Series 11. We've had a month to sit with it. Uh, Any changes in how we felt about Series 11 and sort of what were your expectations coming into this thing, just having put Series 11 to bed? My feelings about Series 11 really haven't changed at all. I feel pretty much exactly the same I did when the final episode concluded. I was hoping that this story may wrap up some of the loose threads that were left. Not that there were many left, but, you know, there was the issue of uh, Ryan's dad still left unresolved. There was kind of Yasmin's whole story arc, which was kind of previewed in the first episode, and then nothing really was done with that through the rest of the season. And then there was, you know, 
really a kind of new relationship that they had to be sort of building. They've just been through their final big battle with the doctor. Um, and this could really set them up for what the next season would be like. So I think for me, I kind of wanted out of this episode mostly to just show us something new and interesting from this group of people. And I think that we did get some of that, but I think it was also kind of treading in the same problems that have come before it with uh, Series 11, particularly with the lack of focus on Yaz and to a lesser extent, the Doctor, although the Doctor did get a little bit more of an opportunity to show a little bit more flair in this story, I think. For sure, for sure. And I agree with all of that. The BBC gave us two sets of commercials for this special, and there was a bit of an addition to the second set of specials, one word over the credits at the end, and there was a great wailing and lamentation among fandom. But a whole lot of us just sort of kind of figured out that this was actually going to be a Dalek episode that seemed logical. And uh, a lot of people made jokes about it, the title being Resolution of the Daleks to begin with. It was an interesting choice on the BBC's part, perhaps. I don't think everybody pays attention to those commercials, particularly when you're talking about, you know, a bit more of the casual fan audience that's maybe not obsessively parsing over commercials online. So it was sort of subtle enough that I think probably a lot of viewers might have still gone in, you know, being surprised. But I think that it was also kind of disappointing because... Yeah, most people had already guessed by that point that it's a Dalek, but give us a little bit of suspension, you know, make us question ourselves for 0.1 millisecond before we see the squid up on the wall. My suspicion is that honestly, it probably was about to leak. And so they just decided to do it themselves rather than let it leak because there was enough set up that it looked like they were attempting to keep it secret. But you can't anymore, really, with this kind of stuff. There's everybody taking pictures from set and posting it on Instagram, sharing stories with their friends who tell their friends, who tell Gallifrey Base. My suspicion is that they couldn't keep it quite underneath the lid. So that's my completely uneducated, shot-in-the-dark guess about what happened there. And, you know, it was fine. I wasn't spoiled, necessarily, because I had already guessed. <laughs> <laughs> right. Agree with all that. I also get the feeling that the BBC, between this and the John Sim reveal in commercials, I just get the feeling that the BBC's marketing arm just doesn't have a whole lot of confidence. Or if an episode doesn't get great ratings, they don't want to feel like, oh, if... If we'd only teased that the Master was coming back, if we'd only teased that the Daleks were coming back, we would have had higher ratings. I don't think they want to... Nobody wants to get blamed for low ratings, is what I'm thinking. Probably. And it's two different groups that have two different opposing interests um, for yeah. each other. But it, I do kind of wish that there was... If it's not that the fact that it was going to leak which could have been a factor in that. I think marketing can be just as effective by teasing a mystery than by revealing it. Everybody was joking uh, over the last couple weeks or so, because if you've been going to see a movie over Christmas break, there's been a trailer for this movie, I think, called A Dog's Way Home. Oh, and the God. trailer basically reveals everything that happens in the movie, including the final climactic moment in the trailer. And everybody was tweeting, did that trailer just give you the entire movie, everything that's going to happen. Yeah, that's not effective marketing. You know the dog's going to make its way home because we don't like to traumatize people with that kind of 
thing anymore, but it revealed the whole thing in the trailer. Have some faith, folks. <laughs> but we did, in fact, get a Dalek. The second commercial did not lie. And old school fans, you've been asking slash complaining slash kvetching that Series 11 didn't have any classic monsters. Well, you got your classic monster and then some. And it was actually a kind of a new take on the Dalek, I thought. It was. It actually did something new with them. And I've always found Daleks scarier sort of individually than in a large fleet because it gives the show a little bit more space to show the violence and brutality and cleverness of the Daleks because they're these basically superpowered alien genocidal creatures. And if a Dalek with all of the powers that we have seen the show grant a Dalek, you know, a fleet of those arrived on Earth, we'd all be dead within like a day. But this is Doctor Who, and they can't just like kill the entire Earth off quite so quickly. They do a lot of retconning. It takes a long time. You know, there's a lot of different things going on, etc., etc. But when it's one Dalek up against a bunch of people, there's a lot more freedom for them to really show how terrifying one lone Dalek can be. Because mm -hmm. as effective as one lone Dalek is, and this one has just a trail of destruction following it throughout the entire episode, quite a lot of deaths, that's still like it couldn't kill everyone immediately. You know, they they have some freedom there to say this is really powerful and we can show you how powerful it is without going full. Well, we just had to kill the entire Earth in five minutes because of all the powers that we've granted this alien. Uh, and that's a little dark even for this kid's show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a lot. This obviously you can make some comparisons to Rob Shearman's uh, 2005 story, Dalek. There's some of the same stuff going on. The one Dalek against the world and the Dalek looks and is proper creepy. But two-thirds of this episode, the Dalek is out of the casing. And that was my favorite part about the way this story is structured. Let's be perfectly honest. My family that are not Doctor Who fans, they're right. Daleks look silly. We've got a historic legacy creature here that we can't really mess with. I know comic artists have tinkered with it a little bit, but, you know, a Dalek looks like a Dalek and has looked like a Dalek since 1963. Stretching out the time that the Dalek is out of the casing and is either creepily scuttling or hanging on a wall or is attached to Lynn's back, the Dalek becomes more threatening, more creepy, more otherworldly. And I really liked that. Definitely. I think to kind of the story about a Dalek left over from the ninth century was kind of interesting, you know, that maybe that was the first instance there and it's just been lost and forgotten to history. Although I feel like there could have been something really cool done with the Guardians that were watching over bits of the Dalek for all of that time that they could have maybe been a little more instrumental in ultimately defeating the Dalek. Because those looked like really interesting, fun kind of characters at first, you know, you know, lone sentinels keeping an eye on this for centuries. Um, you know, even if you couldn't get unit in, you know, 
maybe these people were connected up somehow. Maybe they found a way in. Like, it felt like that was a, a lost thread that would have been really interesting to uh, play with a little bit more. But I did like the new companions that we did get this time around. Lynn and Mitch were both really interesting characters, had really fun chemistry both with each other and with the rest of the TARDIS crew. Lynn was really good. She had a lot to do with being both like possessed by a Dalek and then stand alone as herself. And she did that, I think, very well. And uh, it was fun to see their interactions with the crew. You know, they were uh, just a good, likable bunch of people. Yeah. Although speaking of spoilers, one of the promo pictures of this episode that was widely circulated by the BBC press room was that shot at the end of the episode with them holding hands in front of the disappearing TARDIS. So the one is that really a, is that really a spoiler though? That's a screenshot out of context with nothing like interesting happening there. It just shows our new people up against the TARDIS. Except because I didn't see that shot before the TARDIS arrived. I knew that that was how the episode was going to end. I knew that Lynn was going to make it. That was the one thing that was the one thing I wish I could change about the about this episode was I wish that I didn't know that Lynn was going to survive. That took away some of the drama for me. Although I also worried a little bit at the beginning and maybe I'm just a little oversensitized after the character was killed off in Kerblam in a fairly awful fashion. I'm glad that Lynn did survive because I wasn't prepared to go through the whole episode of watching her suffer under a Dalek's thrall or be reduced to just a puppet. Instead, she actually fights back. And that scene where she resists the Dalek as the Dalek is trying to build its casing in a scene very reminiscent of Jodie Whittaker's building the sonic screwdriver... I did like seeing her agency in that moment, trying to fight back. And, and she, in the end, she does make it out alive. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, I think the downside of having so many new companions in there was that it was a little bit of a full TARDIS. Even more so. Even more so than usual. You know, we've already had a three companion TARDIS. And now we had two new companions from the archaeological dig. And then also Ryan's dad swinging along for part of the ride, which meant I think that unfortunately, our kind of core group of people didn't really get a lot of attention this time around. And like, I'm definitely okay with that when it comes to Graham, because I think he got way too much attention in the last season. Ryan had a lot of moments with his dad, which I thought was good. It was good to see that, you know, sort of plot line wrapped up that we get to see that resolution of his relationship with his dad. But Did you say resolution? There's maybe some wordplay going on in this episode. Uh, but unfortunately, poor Yaz got left by the wayside again. You know, she's just the companion who's always there to ask the questions to let the doctor give the exposition. And we're not really doing anything with her character. And that's getting increasingly bothersome. Can we hope that the decks have finally been cleared? I mean, maybe, but I also felt that the decks could have been cleared a long time ago. I never underestimate the ability of people to put more things on the decks while we're trying to clear them out. I know, but I, I feel like Graham's arc with Grace and Tim Shaw and all of that, that was wrapped up in the series finale. 
Ryan's dad shows up. They have a heart to heart and Ryan saves his dad and they can sort of walk away. The open wounds a little a little more closed now. It would be atrocious for them to continue to do stuff with those two character arcs while Yaz is still out there. This is the time to do something with her in series 12. Definitely. And I hope the uh, team next season is aware of that and is planning something big for her. Yeah. All that said, the Ryan and dad stuff sort of intrudes on the Dalek story. It is the kitchen table conversation stuff that Russell T. Davis always talked about. It doesn't mesh with the rest of the story up until the end. Not only thanks to Chekhov's combo oven, but also to the fact that in the end, the Dalek possesses Aaron and Aaron is at risk of dying and Ryan helps save Aaron and that provides a moment of reconciliation there, which is, it's not so much emotionally earned as situationally earned, I guess. I don't know. But all of that aside, I thought that Daniel Odegboyega, who played Aaron, I thought that was a strong performance, and I thought that it was an interesting take on a character with the same kinds of problems that I thought Eric had in It Takes You Away. Uh, Men failing to be responsible for their loved ones, men letting their own grief or their own problems sort of fill themselves up, leading them to be self-centered and neglectful to the people that they love. And I thought that Ryan dealt with that. Tosin Cole's scene where he is telling Aaron what Aaron is supposed to say was just really powerful. I thought that was uh, Tosin's greatest moment in the series so far. Yeah, though I agree with you that the resolution of that seemed rather more situationally earned than emotionally earned, that it kind of felt like Ryan was doing the thing he was telling his dad to do of just telling him what he needed to hear in order to fight back against the Dalek, but that it doesn't really kind of wrap up the problem that was present there that, you know, his dad isn't able to be a little bit more emotionally and physically present really for him when he needs it while dealing with grief and loss. I think if I understood the episode correctly, it was implied that Ryan's dad originally left, I think after the death of uh, his mother, I think that was the implication of that conversation of first with mom and then with grandma, that Ryan's mom died and Ryan's dad left. Um, he might have left before his mother, but it's... Maybe. I Because it was a whole conversation around death and being present afterwards, that was what I got from that. And maybe that's wrong. I have to probably read the script and watch the episode uh, once or twice more to really get if that was really the implication. And yeah, I guess it, it, it does seem to be a, a theme of this season of, you know, how men behave during grief, that Eric is being self-centered, really selfish and terrible. And even to a certain extent, Graham is being kind of the worst version of himself, that he's going to try to stick behind to kill an enemy that he really just needs to let go. And he's going to basically, at that point, probably die in the process and leave behind Ryan and the doctor and all of his friends. And I guess I'm still, you know, this is this is the thing of this is this episode's kind of retreading the same problems for the past series. That's not really a new thematic 
element to be going through, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's a real thing, I guess. But it's not new in film and television to talk about the selfish and self-centeredness of men in grief. Like that's that's a really, really common theme that underlies a lot of different tropes um, in television. And I feel like we could be doing more interesting things with the characters because, again, we're pinning all of this emotional growth and development for all of these male characters around women who have died in the show or not been present in the show. And we are leaving the women characters who are actually present and in the show by the wayside and doing nothing interesting with them. Uh, So that's kind of really where my frustration comes in here is that it's I want Ryan to have interesting stories. I want him to have complicated problems to deal with. I want him to emotionally grow and develop as much as all of the other characters. But we are pinning all of this on dead women and not giving enough time and development to the real live women who are also present on the screen. And I don't think one needs to come at the loss of another. And I just I want more attention on that next season. Right. Jody Whitaker, 13th Doctor, first outing against the Daleks. She seems to be having a fantastic time during <laughs> all of this. I mean, just having the absolute time of her life racing up against them and getting to be clever against them. And that little smirk when she says, you know, do a scan, figure out who I am. That's the doctor's cockiness right there. And I love to see that from Jodie Whittaker. That was just excellent. I have loved what Jodie Whittaker has been doing as the doctor all along. Uh, But this is the first, you know, Tim Shaw's a big, unredeemable bad guy. And the plot dictated that he was a threat to those seven planets or whatever. But in the face of irredeemable evil, even though she gives the Dalek a chance to go away, she knows he's not going to take it. And she makes a point of making sure that she's got witnesses that she gave this Dalek a chance. She's up against something unstoppable and genocidal and totalitarian, and it's bigger than life. And she rises to it, I think, 100 percent. She carries herself just as strongly against the Daleks as any of her predecessors do. And it's fun to get to see her up against some classic enemies, you know? What was it? Peter Davison said he didn't feel like he was the Doctor until he was up against the Daleks, and he had to wait a long time till he was up against the Daleks. You know, it's a rite of passage. All right. Are you weeping buckets over the apparent loss of the Unified Intelligence Task Force thanks to Brexit? You know what? That was one of my two real moments in the episode, I just I just laid back in my seat. It was just like, nope, sorry, too real. I get it. Important commentary to make, but I'm going to be over here in the corner, just like absolutely banging my head against a wall. Um, <laughs> though I do hope that they bring back Kate Stewart in some capacity later and are just sort of like, yeah, you know, they cut my funding and told me I was unnecessary. So I built this underground agency and organization and voila, I'm still doing it, man. And I called it Torchwood. <laughs> Too soon. (laughs) (laughs) I know that I fist pumped and yelled when uh, she got on the phone to call Kate Stewart. And I know several of our friends did. And we were all just sort of sagging in our chairs when Polly, the call center girl, came on. Just just bring back Kate Stewart, folks. Okay? That's like the one character that I need you to bring back from the recent era. Just bring back Kate Stewart. Two characters. Oh, that's good. 
Uh, so final thoughts about resolution off the docks. Uh, that's just the name it's going to be called from now on. Mostly good, very entertaining, has some of the same fundamental flaws as the rest of Series 11, but one I'll probably enjoy rewatching in the future more than quite a few episodes from Series 11. Same here, although I'm my default status is happy to rewatch just about every episode of Series 11, except for perhaps Curb Lamb. But this one was one of my favorites of the entire year. Daleks are Daleks, and Dalek stories are Dalek stories. I'm not as excited about Daleks as a whole lot of old school fans, but this was the way to do it, I think. This week on The Incomparable Network. The best superhero movie of the year may not have been Black Panther. It may have been Into the Spider-Verse. That's The Incomparable, episode 439, Dad Bod Spider-Man. Erica, Annette, and Kirsten bring you their live podcast from Edmonton Expo, celebrating Alberta's own Winona Earp on Earp Chirp. And welcome to season six of Classic Doctor Who, with the Dominators on Lazy Doctor Who. All this and more at theincomparable.com. Well, we will be back next week with This Week in Time Travel. You can find more of our episodes at thisweekintimetravel.com. We are at DRWho this week on Twitter. Alyssa tweets and blogs on Tumblr at Whovian Feminism, and I tweet at numeral two-minute time lord. And you can also find our podcast on Facebook. Thanks to Christopher Breen for our original theme music and to David J. Laura for our original podcast logo and avatar. If you like this podcast, please review us on Apple Podcasts. Consider becoming a member of the Incomparable Network and tell all your friends about us. We will see you next time on This Week in Time Travel. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.